Tampa Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl 55 champions, led by Tom Brady. And that's it, it's over. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome to episode number 21 of For Future Considerations. This is called the OT. Happy Easter weekend, everyone. My name is Manny Pava with the boys. As always, Matt Dumichel, John Rashad. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing good, Manny. How are you? Good. You're not starting any wrestling fights again or anything no, like that? No, I, I put that away. Um, for now, for now, yeah. because there's a few people online who have a I, few things to say. I actually was wondering if you uh, have a place for me to stay this weekend, <laughs> maybe uh, an offshore account that I might be able to access just uh, you know, quickly uh, hop out of town if need be. There are a few guys who did support you. Um, John Rashad, not one of no. them, of course. John, how you doing? Good, good. I don't know if I want to be associated with Matt anymore. I don't know who likes him less, soccer fans or wrestling fans. I'm a little afraid that uh, if I hang out with him, someone's going to put a hit on him. Yeah, look, I, we started this podcast. We just wanted to hang out and be like, you know, the guys at the end of the bar, talking sports, having some right. laughs. And at some point, I just decided that to hell with it. I'm just going to make everybody angry. So <laughs> You're the guy who starts the brawl yeah. at the end of the bar. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Everybody else fights and you're, about, and you're still and sitting in the there? bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what he yeah, does. Yeah, <laughs> start, start the fire here. Go sit over there. I, I think you've probably done that in real life, though. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe Saginaw. Wasn't there that one time in Saginaw? <laughs> uh, yeah, we almost did start a fight in Saginaw. <laughs> yes, we did. But it was more John Rashad. Yeah. After luckily, he came back from his overseas. Luckily, we had some servicemen to protect us. <laughs> yes. Um, and well, well, on the OT this week, uh, every once in a while, we like to have a special guest. The listeners, you, the listener, you've called for a special guest, and this guy is a very special guest. He's a he's a good friend of mine, who's let's let's check out this guy's resume first and foremost. He's been a television broadcaster. Mm -hmm. He's been a radio broadcaster. He's been a print journalist. He's been a digital journalist. He's hosted his own radio show. He's called hockey games geez i don't know what i've missed this guy is he's, he's like ontario's ryan seacrest right he's got basically done everything he's got you know that old commercial on the tv i got two jobs man this guy's <laughs> got like 17 jobs i can't keep up with them all please welcome to, for future considerations the one the only from ottawa ontario canada dave gross dave how you doing uh, greetings, gentlemen, and uh, thanks for that lovely uh, but very falsifying uh, introduction. Actually, <laughs> none of that. Uh, I'm the guy who picks up your garbage every uh, Monday morning. <laughs> Great to be here. Yeah, well, listen, before we get going here, what's the best story you have about Manny? No. <laughs> Stop. Stop. Oh, my God. Stop. No, we can't do that yet. Uh, we can't do that yet. What I was going to say was... You remember Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan in WrestleMania 3, right? Yeah. How many years ago was that? 39 years ago. 39. Wow. Yes. Pontiac Silverdome. Yeah. yeah, see? So in the last show, and this has riled up a few people on social media, 
Hulk Hogan slamming Andre the Giant. Is it one of the greatest sports moments in history? Mm. It's one of the greatest sports entertainment moments in history. Ah, there you go. Well, you know, I, hey, I got to admit, I uh, I still tune in now and again, but back then it was it was the hot thing to watch, right? Everybody loved wrestling. Everybody, everybody. Loved everybody. Ninety ninety-three thousand people at the uh, Silverdome for that one. I remember sitting actually. I was living uh, downtown Toronto, Young and Eglinton, and we actually found a bar that was uh, showing the pay per view. No audio, but the place was packed because it was free. So we all crammed in there and watched uh, the slam, and uh, you know, Steamboat was on the card. I think Jake the Snake. Wow! Look at those names, eh? Oh yeah, yeah. The good old days, for sure. So I mean, as far as entertainment value was, uh, it was probably the pinnacle of uh, of build up towards a wrestling match that maybe ever existed and ever will. So. He sort of agrees with you, and he sort of agrees with John and I. Is that how you took it, Rashad? Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> That's exactly how I took it. So I got to know you, Dave, in Owen Sound, but obviously yeah. you've, you've been in Ottawa. You grew up in Montreal. You worked in Kitchener. Um, but you were doing TV in Owen Sound, right? And then you were doing radio. Is that right? Yeah, well, I... I he sort of got my start in, in uh, Toronto, Scarborough, to be exact. And that's uh, back in the day of Scarborough Cable TV. And that's uh, sort of where I, I sowed my oats, uh, learned the trade, and got to know guys like Rick Tockett and Peter Zezel, uh, Derek Smith of the Flyers, uh, Gary Lehman, whatnot. Anyway, I did end up uh, up in Owen Sound with uh, CKCO TV and uh, was basically a news beat reporter, but did cover uh, the then uh, Platers. At the time, and then, of course, morphed into uh, some radio work and eventually to uh, print journalism up there. So that's essentially I was in Owen Sound nine years. And, uh, you know, they say go away to a small market to learn the business. That's basically what I did. Just to fill in the gaps there for people who might be a little confused hearing those call letters associated with Owen Sound. That's a Kitchener TV station that had a bureau in Owen Sound. Yeah, we we had the bureau in Owen Sound. There was one up in... uh, Midland, one up in Huntsville as well. I think we had uh, also some correspondence in Barrie. But, uh, yeah, at the time, we still – I don't know if that still uh, exists. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah, no. Yeah. The good old media days is how we describe yeah, it. When, yeah. yeah, yeah. When we had jobs in the media. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if it was sports, you don't even talk about that anymore, Dave. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got involved with Freddie on the broadcasts, right? Yeah, Fred Wallace. uh so what happened there is the legendary Tony Ambrosio, who, if he hasn't been a guest on your show, I'm sure will be at some point. Oh, he will. Yeah. yeah. The man's a, a legend. Just He is a legend. Ask him. He'll, he'll tell you. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, Tony uh, left town to, uh, to go down to Toronto and pursue some broadcasting opportunities there. So they needed a color guy and uh, Fred Wallace. Uh, eventually asked me, and I did that for, I think, two or three years, um, and actually saw the best Platers team in the 10 years I was up there, and that would have been the 98-99 club that uh, made it to the Western Final before getting stopped by uh, John Erskine and the uh, London Knights. Yeah, it was only only because of Gene Chiarella, right? Do you remember that? Well, I don't know. Was it Chiarella? Was Chiarella really hot that uh, Yeah, he was. That series? Yeah. 
I know the guys were basically scared, uh, you know what, was uh, to face guys like Jason Metcalf and John Erskine mm-hmm. and whatnot. But uh, that was a good London team. It was great uh, players team, guys like Dan Snyder, Adam Mayer, Aaron Franson. Uh, John Avery was gone at the time, of course. But, uh, Traded for Franson, field. right? Yeah, it was Avery for uh, Avery for Franson and DJ Miracle. DJ Miracle, wow. that's right. Legendary, yeah. Yeah. So how long Might were you? Might have been some draft picks in there, too. How long were you covering the Platers then altogether? Because you were covering them before you went on the radio too, right? So Yeah, well, I did. like I said, I did the odd sports story for uh, CKCO. So when they landed there from Guelph, uh, you know, we were sort of vested with covering them off. Certainly they're opening their first year. We did a lot of coverage and they were, they were pretty bad the first year. But so, yeah, roughly nine or ten years of uh, covering the franchise weather. And it's, oddly enough, you know, Started with TV, moved into radio, and then eventually the uh, small paper called the Owen Sound Tribune opened up. They were looking for a sports writer. I fit the bill, I guess, and uh, covered the team in that capacity for the last uh, three years I was up there, which was great. Got to go know the guys on the team. Curtis Sanford, I should mention him as well. Lots of guys. Joe Ward uh, moved on to the NHL from, uh, from those teams. What do you remember about covering that team? Uh, the, the the interactions that you would have with them, uh, you know, getting to know, like you said, the players, the coaching staff, and have you seen that kind of relationship change uh, over the teams that you've covered in the OHL, NHL, and, and how you kind of uh, had that uh, uh, relationship to start in Owen Sound? Yeah, I mean, it's a, you're, it's a lot closer relation. I mean, and Manny can tell you, like, I mean, if you cover junior hockey and you ride the buses. <laughs> Uh, you get a close connection with with the kids, uh, certainly in the coaching staff and the training, especially the training staff, because they're top notch. They do such hard work. But uh, even moving up here to Ottawa, one of my first gigs, uh, uh, fortunately, I landed at the Ottawa Sun, and they were looking for a guy to cover the 67s. And uh, so I did that for the first, uh, I guess, three or four years. And if you ever want some uh, stories, none of them can go on the air here because they'll kill me. <laughs> uh, ride the bus with uh, Brian Gilroy. Uh, oh, man. We had some Jim Dandy times, I'll tell you. Those trips from Ottawa to Sault Ste. Marie might have been long, but they sure were fun. <laughs> oh, we're going to rip a few out of you yet. Though. <laughs> All right. uh, Matt and I are down here in Windsor. People still talk about the Jeff Kugel game. Mm. What do you remember about that game? Oh, my God. Yeah, Fred Wallace and I were down covering that game. And this is back in the day when the Windsor Arena had, I believe it was chicken wire, uh, stretched across the the glass uh, surrounding the rink. So it really had that sort of, uh, you know, uh, sci-fi look to it. And uh, sure enough, uh, you know, the teams that Windsor had back in the day, uh, Dave Branch hated it because he didn't really like that sort of stuff. Um, still doesn't. Guys, he still <laughs> doesn't. Yeah, I know. I've seen what they've done. Um, it, you know, DJ Smith, for instance, 260 PIMS one year, uh, was was the captain of that team. Now, of course, head coach for the Ottawa Senators. Um, they just had tough teams. Michael Hansen played on those, a uh, good friend of mine on Facebook, on those teams as well. They just did that's Windsor's blue-collar town. They mm-hmm. like their teams uh, rough and tough. They've won a few championships along the way as well. But uh, but back then, yeah, the Jeff Kugel incident was just – it was weird. It was out of the out of nowhere. Owen Sound had a pretty tough team. 
uh, we had Snyder, we had Mayer, uh, and the whole thing uh, started, as I recall, from uh, one Sean Avery, who cross-checked another uh, a Spitfire right off the draw. And so all hell broke loose, um, and they had this guy on the bench, Jeff Kugel, who's about six foot seven, two hundred sixty pounds. I couldn't skate uh, worth a lick, uh, but they brought him on for one reason. So he jumped on the ice, and I remember Adam Mayer jumping on the ice at the same time for Owen Sound. So it was a full scale, uh, you know, bench clearing brawl. Uh, Owen Sound had a European import named Yuri Golicek at the time who got uh, absolutely whacked. And Fred and I looked at each other. We thought he was dead. Like, I, I swear to God, it, it was scary. And the fans were eating it up. And uh, the cheers and all that stuff. So the, this went on and on and on and on. Eventually, they got Kugel out of the game or off the ice. Well, he and, was chasing. Uh, I think he was chasing, chasing Chris Menard. <laughs> On the ice. Chasing, that's right. Chris Menard uh, yeah. played a few games in the NHL as well. But uh, so Menard uh, wisely uh, flew the coop. Um, and uh, good thing Kugel couldn't skate because he couldn't catch anybody, <laughs> which was good. So he basically, and he did the five gun salute as well. But uh, lo and behold, about three days later, we get back to Owen Sound where, you know, this is before internet, of course. And we got the news that uh, Kugel had been suspended for life. And this. This whole story took on a life of its own, mm-hmm. as it really should. The guy had no place in hockey. Um, and then uh, eventually he was suspended for life, which meant that uh, he was back in the game a year later playing for Sault Ste. Marie. <laughs> I understood, but <laughs> he played like two games for Sault Ste. Marie, did nothing, and they released him. But, uh, you know, that was hockey back in the day. That was, uh, that was the OHL. And, boy, when I got to Ottawa, one of the first teams I got to cover were the uh, the Hall Olympique, now the uh, Gatineau Olympique. And if you thought uh, the OHL was uh, rough and tumble, oh, man, go check out a, a game in the queue. Really? Uh, they had guys with 500, 600 penalty minutes. Wow. What? Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a guy named Pascal Morency who actually got drafted by a team. I think he had 562 penalty minutes. Something <laughs> like that. It was way, way. It was ridiculous. Every team had like four or five of these guys. So uh, I want to touch on that. But so when we thought the Owen Sound teams in the 90s were moth, Matt just looked it up and saw the pin. Pascal Morenci, 2001 through 2002 season, 64 games, 11 goals, 22 assists for 33 points, 596 penalty minutes. There you ah. go. Lady Bing Canada. Right <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So- played pro hockey, played in the AHL for a couple of years. Yeah. After that, uh, went to Ruan uh, Noranda, um, put up th- only 340 penalty minutes in 61 games that one year. So, Yeah, he calmed down. Yeah, just a bit. <laughs> so we thought those Owen Sound teams were tough with uh, Miracle, Ryan Crowther, Dave Stevenson. Mayer and Snyder could hold their own, but they couldn't hold the candle to the Hull Olympic, eh? Well, I'm not saying tough-wise. Uh, certainly tough-wise they could. Uh, just just the sort of the craziness on the queue was uh, was really prevalent when I got here in 1999-2000 uh, and got to cover some of the uh, Olympics games. I, I mean, that was just the way the game was played. Right? It was pure intimidation. Uh, there were, I mean, games would last four hours, you know. Just from the penalties. And, and, and keep in mind, there's no no TV timeouts. So 
do the math. Right. No TV timeouts, and the game still went for us. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lots of uh, uh, stops to pick up gloves off the ice. Wow. Do you miss the game has changed so much, though. Wow. Let's play name association because uh, we, we've known a few guys. Dan Snyder, like what comes to oh, mind when you think about him? Best kid I've written uh, in Ottawa Life magazine. I wrote a column when he passed in the Ottawa Sun on him. Uh, greatest kid I ever knew in junior hockey, and I covered <clears throat> the OHL for the better part of 25 years. Mm. Um, salt of the earth, Manny, you know him as well as I did. Uh, he was just a beauty guy. Um, you know, I still I still try and write about him on the either the anniversary of his death or his upcoming birthday just to keep keep him in the minds of, of people. And, you know, it, the acorn didn't fall far from the tree because if you want to meet some two terrific people, um, have a, a chat with his parents, uh, Leanne and Graham. They, I mean, just fabulous, fabulous people. They're what junior hockey should be. Dan was the ultimate captain. I think he was, what, a seventh round, fifth, seventh round pick? I think you're right in the fifth, fifth rounder, Ray McCauley. Yeah. Wasn't expected to make the team, weighed about uh, 120 pounds. Made the team, uh, put on a little weight. Uh, Fourth year, of course, he was the captain of the team. Took him to the West final. Then we thought it was over. Dan said, no, I'm not done yet. Uh, Made a good friend of Danny Marr, who was a, a scout for the Leafs at the time. Uh, got a tryout with Atlanta, the Thrashers, uh, now up in Winnipeg, of course. Uh, made the Chicago Wolves. Think he won a Turner Cup there. I'm not quite sure, but uh, right, he's next year, lo and behold, he's up. Uh, he's up playing for the Atlanta Thrashers. Didn't play a lot of games. Uh, got to be good friends with Danny Heatley, and unfortunately, that's uh, that's where the story ended in a, a, that uh, terrible, terrible car crash. Uh, way back when, what was that? Two thousand three. Yeah, it's been a while ago now. Yeah, um, but uh, he's the best. Uh, you know, uh, Adam Mayer. When I say Adam Mayer, what do you think about uh, the bomber? <laughs> <laughs> you know, they used to. I, I hate to break your uh, balls here a little bit, but uh, they used to uh, sort of laugh at you, media types. I'm not included. <laughs> oh, no, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> All right. You ham and eggers. <laughs> bomber title. Snyder used to turn to him in the dressing room, big grin, go, "Hey, bomber, how's it going?" <laughs> but there's a there's a guy, you know. I mean, oh boy, I remember seeing Adam after the the players got eliminated, and he was at a local watering hole, and uh, I said, "Hey, what's up? What's the plans?" He said, "Oh, I'm off to Toronto tomorrow." I said, "Oh, really?" Because he got drafted by the Leafs. Said, so what's the plan there? Are you going to play in the AHL? They've got playoffs or what? He said, no, no, I'm going right up to the Leafs. And sure enough, he played in the series. With Pittsburgh, believe, right? Yeah, uh, Pittsburgh Penguins as a 19-year-old. Uh, tried to engage uh, Matthew Barnaby a couple of times. Played on a line with Chris King and Ty Domi. So, uh, so Marzi was, uh, you know, uh, part of that uh, that racket. Unfortunately, the, the Leafs didn't uh, go very far. I think the Penguins, I'm pretty sure the Penguins won that series. But, uh, you know, Ambini stuck around. He, he was certainly a heart and soul guy for the Buffalo Sabres when he moved there. L.A. Kings, uh, he was part of a, actually a bench clearer up here in Ottawa with his old buddy Chris Neal, uh, who they fought every time they met in junior. 
uh, Mayor was with uh, Owen Sound and uh, Neil was with North Bay. But uh, every time, and then sure enough, they get to the NHL. <laughs> every time they meet, they fight. <laughs> Funny story for you here. Uh, so uh, he's in town, uh, LA Kings, Adam Mayer, and I'm covering the team for a local TV station at the time here in Ottawa. So we go down to the rink, you know, and he's coming out of practice. And I go, hey, Mayer's here. We start talking. Da, 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 da. And I said, oh, by the way, your old buddy uh, Chris Neal's uh, dressing for Ottawa tonight. And he looks at me, pauses, and goes, that guy made the NHL. <laughs> <laughs> and that night they had the bench clearing brawl. And they went. The Old got involved, the whole thing. Good old time hockey, huh? Uh, yeah. Uh, tell us, so how did you get, was it the Ottawa Sun job that made you move from Owen Sound to Ottawa? No, actually, uh, what made me move from Owen Sound to Ottawa was to, uh, no offense to Owen Sound, but I'd done my time there, you know. I'd, I'd been there, like I said, nine, ten years. And you you got to move. You don't want to um, hang with me anymore? Like, yeah, yeah, it, you're good. You're good. They close the now, so you can't go dancing. Anymore. Um, that's an inside joke. Brothers is actually. Cool. Uh, these guys know it. Uh, but no, I left sort of. Uh, I knew the uh, newspaper's uh, days were numbered. I'd done everything I really wanted to do and accomplish in uh, Owen Sound. Uh, Freddie Wallace is still up there. God bless him. Um, one of the greatest uh, broadcasters in uh, in junior hockey history. Ever. Still doing it at the age of uh, 75. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's, give or take, give or take. He's going to listen to this. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, but, uh, no, he's, he's, he's a class act, uh, a classic, and he's loved around the league, and justifiably so. But, uh, no, I basically left. I was on vacation, and uh, some my brother was living up in Ottawa that summer. It was after the 99 season. And he said, uh, well, why don't you just move up here? And I went, okay. So I moved up there without a job. Uh, phoned the Ottawa Sun, talked, went in and spoke to the uh, the editor at the time, uh, Mike Terrain, who's still involved in, uh, in media around these parts, and uh, got me hooked up with the sports editor, Tim Baines, who now covers the, uh, the Red Blacks for uh, Post Media. Mm. So Tim and I uh, hit it off because he was a wrestling fan, too. So <laughs> I started doing some layout, and uh, he said, oh, by the way, we're going to have you cover some junior hockey games. Next thing I know, I'm writing a column, and uh, it just kept – it snowballed from there. You know, I moved into radio. Alan Davis hired me, formerly of the uh, the fan in, in uh, Toronto, got that whole sports station going, and then moved to Ottawa, did the same thing, and uh, saw something in me and uh, gave me an opportunity. So I was doing both and did some TV, and it's a long, long list of things I've done. <laughs> um, who did you host with on, uh, I guess it was Team 1200 at the time, now TSN 1200? Yeah, good uh, good question, too, because uh, this guy's now uh, pretty prominent on a hockey night in Canada, but I started with Gary Galley. Mm. Uh, so that would have been 2000, just after he retired, 2001, 2002. I think it was 2002, and, and Gals and I hit it off, right? I remember because we were doing you – know, this PD wanted me to do the show. He said, well, rotate uh, co-hosts. I said, okay. So we did uh, – Gary Ock was in for a bit, and then uh, and then Gals came in one day, and we did two shows, and I marched into the program director's office. And I said, he's my guy. And Chris Gordon looked at me and said, 
what do you mean he's your guy? He said, I said, we the the search is over. This guy's gold. He's gold. And he had connections and stuff like that. And he's as we know, he's he's a great talker. Yes. <laughs> Greg McDavish, when he heard that uh, Gal's got a radio show, uh, said to uh, one of one of uh, our co friends said, "Galley, that guy never shuts up." <laughs> uh, so so he has a gift for the gap. And uh, so I did it with Galley, and then uh, from there I worked with uh, Glenn Kulka, who uh, might be familiar to uh, CFL fans, of course, and to uh, wrestling fans as well. Right, John Rashad? That's right. Yeah. There you go. Like like John Rashad. No. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I worked with those two guys. Uh, last time I worked there was about, uh, man, time flies, eight years ago. I was working with uh, Sean Simpson, and uh, Simmer is still there former uh, Maple Leafs executive. So he's still, but he's now on the morning show. So he has to get up at three in the morning. So <laughs> have fun with that. <laughs> <laughs> and so you've done pretty much every role there is or, or type of media role in the, in the city of Ottawa in your career. Um, what is Ottawa like as a sports city? What, what are the, what's the fan base like? Um, what are the expectations like of their teams? There's a general idea of, uh, of what the expectations are or what you see from the fan base in Ottawa. Yeah, it's, uh, it's different. It's a much different town. I was raised in Montreal. Uh, so I left there when I was uh, 19 to go to uh, university of Toronto. And then I spent uh, 10 years in, in Toronto. So you have two of the major media markets. And then of course I spent the, the years up in Owen Sound, but, uh, it's, it's a different, uh, it's a different cat. I'll tell you, we had, uh, Quick story here. We had AAA baseball, which I absolutely loved mm -hmm. uh, back in the early 2000s and uh, up until, I believe, about, uh, I want to say, 08, 09. And then the Ottawa Lynx uh, left town because nobody was going. But uh, when they first started here, you could not get a ticket uh, to see this AAA baseball team. Wow. It was sold out uh, every single game. Like uh, They were scalping the whole bit. So a lot of people call it a fair weather town. I think it's uh, that might be a little unfair. I think it's uh, it's a different cat because it's a government town, and uh, you know it's it's just it's it's a different uh, it's a different vibe. Certainly, uh, there are there's a great contingent from what they call the valley, which are the old timers, the old time sports fans, the real uh, real sports fans here in Ottawa. Um, who love their auto rough riders. Uh, Red Blacks have done a great job uh, marketing and uh, selling tickets and getting, garnering interest. Uh, there's a big, as everybody knows, there's a, there's a big roadblock right now as far as the hockey team is concerned. And that's with the ownership and, uh, you know, the, the fan base just isn't happy with it. They don't think the guy's going to spend. Uh, it's, uh, it's a small market team, you know, and uh, they have, Big market aspirations, good young hockey club right now. But uh, you know, as we all know, we, who has a clue what the support is like for anything at this point uh, until we start getting people back into the stands? But it's uh, it's a different market. You know, the franchises come, franchises leave. Um, 67s had periods under Jeff Hunt, certainly when I covered the team when. Again, you'd average eight, 9,000 people for junior hockey, you know, over 34 games. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the last couple of years, last five or six years, Jeff has sort of moved away from that. 
and uh, that's been reflected in the ticket sales. So their tickets are basically where they were back in the uh, mid '90s when uh, you know you'd get uh, about 2,500 people here. I don't know the exact figures, don't quote me on it, but I know that uh, the interest has certainly waned in that. I have a friend, and uh, you talked about the links um, for a quick second there. She swears that after they won their championship, everyone just lost interest because they had won everything and there was nothing more to see. And I always thought that sounded like a strange story. Is that actually true? No, I don't. I think they were always uh, I mean, AAA is a, a different beast, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, guys who are playing AAA don't want to be in AAA. <laughs> Uh, so I covered the team for a number of years when they were the Expos affiliate and then they moved on uh, uh, Baltimore Orioles affiliate. Mm. Um, so, I mean, he, 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 fans from fans like to get, uh, you know, up close and personal with players and that you just don't have that availability in professional baseball. It just, it just doesn't work. And it's very transitory in that uh, guys will be here for a week and then they're up, uh, you know, uh, up in the major leagues or they're down in double a or back to single a so uh i don't know about the championship i wasn't here during that time i can tell you in the two early 2000s uh, there was interest but there just wasn't enough interest who were the star players when you were covering the links i was just trying to i was trying to think of that back in the day but uh oh boy uh i think brady anderson was up here for a bit uh from other ball clubs, I remember uh, following Chase Utley uh, quite a bit as he moved up through the Phillies organization. Um, you sort of caught me there off guard. No, but could you <laughs> there, tell there them? There were a couple of guys who made up, moved up to the Expos. But, uh, could you tell they uh, were players like Utley and Anderson, for example? Oh, yeah, without question. I remember one time uh, Jose Canseco passed through here when he was trying to make a comeback. I think he was with the uh, White Sox organization. Okay. And that was one of the, uh, I full credit to Tom Casey, who's now retired, uh, former Ottawa citizen reporter, but he led that interview in the uh, locker room. We must have sat with uh, Canseco for the better part of an hour. And he basically uh, spilled his guts about how baseball had, uh, had uh, turned its back on him. And that's why he was in AAA oh. and he was never going to get another shot. And so it was, it was kind of a big, big news story, but there were, there were a ton of, uh, I mean, I had the pleasure of, of uh, covering the team when Dave Cash, for you old-timer Expo fans, a former uh, second baseman, played for the Phillies too, was an all-star. He was the uh, hitting coach. So I got to know Dave quite well. So, I mean, those those are the type of guys you meet. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned, you know, the 67s and the Senators struggling with attendance. How, how can they both survive that? Like, uh as a hockey fan. Well, they did before. Yeah. <laughs> you know, back in back in the day, back in the mid-2000s, uh, both teams did exceptionally well. As far as attendance, you know, I, I think as far as the big club is concerned, it's it's more centered on the ownership, um, on the, uh, the selling off of players. I mean, my God, I don't care how many pom-poms you wave. Uh, there's no excuse for trading a guy like uh, like Mark Stone. I mean, you give him whatever he wants. He's now the captain in Vegas. Mm-hmm. I think he just turned 28 or 29, so he's still got uh, tons of great years. He's one of the smartest hockey players you'll ever meet. The whole Carlson schmozzle was, uh, was just bad news. And I know it worked out in the end for the hockey team, but uh, that's just bad media. That's just bad 
you know, that's a bad vibe. It's a bad vibe for the hockey team. You got to hold on to your stars. Um, and, you know, I mean, they were close on a couple of occasions. 2007 made it to the final against Anaheim. Um, you know, Hosa moved out of town and uh, Heatley was moved, wanted to trade. Spezza wanted to move on. Doing great in Toronto right now, by the way. Um, but that's... That's part and parcel of, of what the what the team is, and that's the greatest fear for the fan base now. Is you've got all these young guys like Kachuk and Shabbat and uh, Drake Batherson coming up through the system, and the greatest fear is how long can we hold on to these guys before they go uh, to sunnier pastures? And uh, to talk about the instability with the the Senators, but the stability of the sixty sevens. And you mentioned Brian Kilray a little bit earlier uh, in the uh, in the show here. Um, Dave Gross joining us on for future for future considerations. Uh, the OT episode uh, you can find it anywhere on uh, your listening to podcasts. But tell us uh, a little bit about what it was like being around Killer. Uh, what kind of guy he was. If he ever turned it off, and, and if he was, you know, ever not talking about hockey, um, and uh, and what he was like when when he was on. Oh, I, one of the one of the great guys is anybody can tell you who's, who's met him and talked to him, and there's been a couple of books uh, written about him with him. Uh, boy, uh, when he's uh, away from the rink, yeah, he likes to talk about hockey for sure. Uh, you know, we're on the road. We'd uh, order a pizza, sit up in his room with uh, him and Bert O'Brien, his assistant, uh, the gang that used to hang out with Killer, and just watch hockey. You know, it'd be Saturday night hockey. We'd be playing the next day. I shouldn't say we. <laughs> They'd be playing the next day. Hard to get not get caught. In touch. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I mean, the best part of, of being, and I've said this a million times, the best part of being uh, a part of that entourage is sitting in the bus uh, right near the front mm-hmm. and sitting on a cooler. This is back in the day. And uh, him just relaying stories about hockey and, you know, talking about Eddie Shore, talking about uh, grapes and his friendship with, uh, with Don Cherry. And uh, uh, he just, and he started doing name association. I do that with him all the time is, uh, you know, what he, this guy, this guy, that guy. You know, Lance Galbraith, what do you think of him? This, this, this. And, you know, up and down. A, he has an encyclopedic uh, memory for uh, for hockey, like what happens in hockey. And this guy does that. And uh, he, I don't think he was the most technical coach, uh, to be honest. I, I think uh, Brian was uh, more rah-rah uh, and just do the simple things. Uh, he had some famous outbursts in, in the dressing room, uh, one of them, he turned to one of the players. It might have been Sean Donovan. I'm not sure. I know Donovan tells the story, but uh, he, he turned to the guy, and he was really steamed. Killer was really steamed. He said, uh, I don't know if you're playing right wing for us or left wing for them. <laughs> <laughs> what a great line. <laughs> yeah, he's a better one, and I don't know if I can tell you. I'll keep the language to a minimum here, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, one of his defensemen couldn't, he had the hardest time getting the puck out of the zone, you know. So killer intermission after the guy said, uh, you have three options. One, you can bounce the puck off the glass. Two, you can F off. Three, you can F off. 
<laughs> and he walked out of the room on that. <laughs> and it's funny because the, the kids, when they come in there, of course, you know, in first year, whatever, scared to death of the guy. I would imagine. But by year four, I mean, you talk to guys like uh, Brandon Bell, uh, who was eventually became captain of the team. He spent uh, four years, four or five years, actually, with uh, with the 67s. By the, the fourth year, you just, you know, you chuckle. Because uh, Killer has the great lines. <laughs> the guy's got a huge heart. You know, like he just he cares about his players. Player comes up to him and says he wants to get traded or he needs a, a I think of a guy like, uh, not that he wanted to get traded, but Adam Smith, who's from uh, Wyerton, just outside of Owen Sound. It was his overage year and Killer didn't have any overage spots on his roster with the 67th. And Adam had done great work uh, as an enforcer. Uh, for the 67s for three years. And Keller wanted to take care of him. So he, he phoned around, eventually got a hold of Ray McKelvey up in Owen Sound and made the deal. And uh, Adam went on to uh, play a very effective fourth year uh, for Owen Sound and, and seeing a lot of ice time too. So that helped his uh, pro mm-hmm. prospects. So just away from the rink, you know, he he's a huge baseball fan. Like I used to talk about the links. He used to look down and he'd be sitting there and he'd be doing the uh, scorecard and the whole bit following the game. Just loved baseball, played baseball very well as as well as 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 a kid. Wow, didn't know that. I I remember filling in for Freddie one time up in Ottawa and I came to see you and you're like, let's go see Killer. And I was even intimidated by that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. here we go in the room. We're having pizza and drinks and he's smoking a cigar. Yeah, yeah. And um, well, it's funny because this is. We all say it was the uh, the whole thing was grandfathered in after uh, after Killer left, but uh, you know there used to be pops in the in the side dressing room and that sort of. I'm not telling anything out of school. I don't think that people don't know. And uh, if you couldn't smell the cigar smoke in the rink, then uh, I think you uh, had to get your nasal passages checked because <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't the only one. And Dave Branch used to bring him cigars. So there you go. Um, it's kind of funny because I know Killer is obviously from Kill Ray, but uh, it adds to the mystique of the man a little bit when his nickname is Killer, too. I mean, it's pretty hard not to be intimidated by someone with, with that nickname. Um, you mentioned well, some of the players yeah. that um, were on those junior teams. Uh, can you think of a few more who made the jump to the NHL that uh, come to mind that you saw in Ottawa? Uh, Brian Campbell, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, Good old Strathroy well, boy. Yeah, went on to make a lot of money, and I saw none of it. <laughs> uh, I remember uh, during it was a lockout year. I think two thousand three, two thousand four. Manny helped me out here on yep. the history. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so uh, Brian was was back in Ottawa. I guess he was doing some training. And this is when I was doing the mid morning show, and he, he, I knew him from from the team, and he came in and he sat in. He did the full two hours with me. You know, I went out to lunch afterwards. And, just a great, great guy. And this is just before he made his big splash with Buffalo and went on to make millions, of course, which, as I mentioned, I saw none of um, Other guys who made the NHL, boy, again, you're sort of catching me off guard. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you, you liked a lot Nick of those Boynton. players on Ottawa. Nick Boynton, yeah. You liked a lot of those yeah. players on the 67s. Like, you would rave about Lance Galbraith. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, Lance was my type of player. Lance is killer, always says, biggest heart of any player he ever had. Uh, That's saying something. Oh, uh, uh, Zanin Kanopka went on to play in the NHL. Yeah. Of course. Here's a guy, uh, Zanin Kanopka, who uh, 
A lot of people said, well, he couldn't skate. He couldn't. Uh, no chance in hell he's going to make the NHL. And he's, he was so determined. Uh, him and, and Lance, every team wanted them in minor pro because everywhere those two went, they won. Whether it was Tulsa, East Coast League, uh, AHL, they won champ. Portland Pirates, uh, Zanin was part of that. Uh, the Anaheim organization won championships. He was just a winner. They were both winners. He, and I remember that playoff run. 67s went to the OHL final, uh, beat Plymouth, a big upset. Uh, David Legwan was on that team, I believe, and Kanaka basically shut them all down. And, uh, man, I mean, they weren't the most talented guys, but, boy, did they have heart. Brian always had a way of, uh, of finding these guys. And, hey, he had, he had a great scouting staff, too, from the Higgins brothers all the way down the char uh, charts, uh, just some great, great hockey minds to help him out. And he, he'd tell you that. When you were in Ottawa, too, even after Sean Avery got traded from Owen Sound to Kingston, <laughs> you you still uh, oh. you still talk to Sean Avery a lot, right? You still covered Sean a lot. Yeah. Well, I saw Sean, and like, so I moved up to uh, – Ottawa from Owen Sound, and that was uh, the year before uh, Sean was traded uh, to Kingston because Mav Larry Mavity phoned Killer and said, I, I got this eye, you know, I might get uh, Sean Avery. What do you think? Killer went, Oh, geez, yeah, take him. He's great. Because <laughs> Mav would phone Killer to get his advice on every deal. Jesus Christ, Brian, you're going to rip me off again. <laughs> By the way, God rest you. Mav was one of the classes. classics. I love him. Um, but anyway, so Sean was uh, in his final year of junior, and uh, so we play uh, we uh, 67s play Kingston. What was it six eight times a year? So I'd see him all the time, and he said, "Oh sure, here's my number at my billets in, in Kingston." So I was writing a column at the time for the Ottawa Sun. I might have mentioned that uh, right opposite the Sunshine Girl, if I was lucky, so I could actually get people to read it. Uh, <laughs> And uh, so, uh, yeah, so I would phone him every week uh, to go and get the poop on what was going on. Because he talked to everybody on the ice. On know, the ice, yeah. Off the ice, in the stands, it doesn't matter. Sean was there, so he was, he was my premier source. And then he made the NHL, and he gave me a phony phone number. <laughs> he was in town. With the, we made the Red Wings. He said, oh, I'm going to make the show. And I'm like, yeah, sure, sure. And he made the show. I played for the Rangers. <laughs> anyway, he was in town with Detroit. He came down to uh, uh, Kingston, Ottawa, 67's game. He said, hey, Aves, what's going on? Blah, 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 blah. We're talking. He said, I want to get you on the show. I'm doing this mid-morning. He said, yeah, but don't be, don't be a jackass on the show. And I'm like, okay. Here's a mirror, buddy. Anyway, uh, so he gave me this number, and I dialed the number, and it was like pizza, pizza in Detroit. So, uh, what is it down there? I don't know. 313? Yeah, Little uh, Caesar. Little Caesar. Little Caesar, there you yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Little... Anyway, yeah. so he got my number at last, and I'm still pissed off. He never mentioned me in his book. <laughs> well, he, I think he's going to write his second book, though. He should. Yeah. You know, Aaron Franson, the guy he was uh, he was traded for, uh, he still talks about his time in Owen Sound being the best uh, in his junior hockey career. He loved Owen Sound. That team should have won, right? That 99 team? Yeah, I think they should have won. I, I think they uh, 
I think they were, again, we go back to what we were talking about earlier. I think they were intimidated uh, by the London Knights. And, uh, you know, uh, back in the day, that was the way hockey was played. Uh, I think uh, some of the guys had, uh, might have checked out a little bit uh, as far as, okay, we've gone as far as we can. Um, and, Lon- hey, full credit to the Knights. They were they were steamrolling that. Uh, they were, I think they finished third or fourth in their division. And we're expected to do much in in the in the playoffs, but uh, it was upset, and then another upset, and then you have to look at Owen Sound as a as a bit of an upset, uh, not as big as the first couple of rounds, but uh, that was that was the that was the best team I saw, uh, certainly from an Owen Sound perspective, uh, up and down the roster. Ray McKelvey, full credit, did such a good job of of drafting and and adding the pieces, and he had the guts to make that trade for Avery, who still had a year left of junior eligibility and, and uh, Franny, Aaron Franson at the time, as we recall, was an overage. So that was it for him. So uh, Ray's humming and hawing about making the deal, but when he made it, uh, I think we were all pretty happy that uh, finally the, the organization was going for the gold. Do you ever talk – with Danny Heatley was in Ottawa. Did you ever talk to him about the whole Snyder no. thing? No. No, it's interesting to bring that up. There was uh, – gentleman who came up from the Atlantic Constitution, the newspaper, uh, to do a story and uh, was on our morning show just before my show. And I got the chance to uh, pull him aside just before we went on air. We had a short uh, chat just about about Dan uh, Snyder and how, how great and the tragedy he brought me up to date on the, on the court issue and whatnot. And <clears throat> I don't think uh, I don't think Danny Heatley really wanted to speak on that i don't blame him um you know it's 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 a tragedy i know he lives with it i'm sure he lives with it every mm-hmm. single day of his life they were good friends and full credit again to the snyder family for uh, for forgiving him and uh, making that uh, part of the uh, the court piece that uh that kept uh, danny heatley out of out of uh, incarceration mm-hmm. And you mentioned the Senators now, and uh, we like DJ Smith a lot, a uh, Windsor guy, and we've mentioned him uh, a little bit earlier in the uh, the show as well. Um, what do you think, uh, what are your impressions of him as a head coach, and, and where do you think the rebuild is going right now? Uh, I think the rebuild's going terrific, um, and I think he's doing a good job with the kids. Uh, my, my question is going to be next season because uh, there's been terrific progress if, for the team on the ice this year in that uh, the first quarter part of the season, they were just getting decimated. I remember going out to Edmonton. I think they played there three times lost by, I think a combined score of like 19 to three. They looked terrible. They weren't getting goaltending. They're getting goaltending now and uh, they're in every game uh, case in point uh, playing the lease this past week and uh, taking them to overtime. Uh, it's an organization. I mean, look at guys like uh, like Batherson and, and uh, certainly Brady Kachuk, uh, Tim Stutzla. Their their number uh, was number three overall pick. Uh, he's going to be he's he's something else. Uh, it, the problem with the team right now is I think the young guys are running out of steam. They're not used to playing this uh, type of condensed schedule, so they're not going to make the playoffs this year. I mean, that's that's a foregone conclusion. I don't think they ever were, but uh, back to your original question, I think uh, DJ will be a little bit more on the hot seat next year 
expectations are for this team to uh, to make even uh, further gains. Uh, I think Pierre Dorian, the general manager, is certainly on the hot seat um, for a lot of the uh, veterans he brought in that uh, that really have not panned in. So mm-hmm. he brought in a lot of slow uh, defensemen. Their defense core is is pretty abysmal at this point. Um, they need help. They've got it on the way, guys. And Jake Sanderson, Jacob Bernhard Docker uh, should actually see some ice uh, perhaps as early as this weekend. When it's those guys progress, do you think that they can they win with Melnick as the owner? Uh, that's a very good question. And again, it comes down to uh, I think what what's what we have to keep our eyes on are contracts. Uh, I know they locked up Thomas Shabbat long term. Um, next up is Brady Kachuk. Uh, this is your future captain. So he's going to want long term. He's going to want a commitment from the organization. I think he's uh, 100% in at this point. Uh, to seeing this this organization turn things around, um, but again, it's it's a money issue. You know, can a small market team win a Stanley Cup or be successful on a continual basis? And uh, that's what we're going to see. And that's unfortunately for the coach falls into his lap as early as next season. Uh, let's put it this way: if they get off to a start like they had this year, which was horrible, next year. Uh, it'll be a short uh, shelf life for one DJ Smith. Dave Gross is our guest on For Future Considerations, Ottawa Life reporter, former broadcaster, and a good friend. We've talked a lot about the changing media landscape on this show. You've mm-hmm. been in the media. You've been out of the media yep. game. What do you think about the changes over the last several years, specifically about sports? Uh, I think it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Join the club. Yeah, no, I, I, in all honesty, that's that's the reality that a lot of us in this age group are dealing with now um, is that uh, there just aren't jobs out there anymore. Everything's condensed. Uh, I had a five-year run at Post Media News working the sports desk and, and basically writing all their major hockey stories. So whether I'm on a conference call with Steve Eiserman or uh, covering the NHL draft up here in Ottawa. It, it was a great gig. Uh, they folded that tent. 35 people were uh, were let go wow. in one fell swoop that day. And uh, I'll tell you, you know, it's not even a joke that uh, uh, coming out of there, I did some radio and then moved on from there. And uh, my next stop was the government, the federal government. And uh, thank God that availability was there. Uh but uh, one of the guys from Post Media, who was in the news department, not sports, but still was affected, uh, ran the uh, the media department at uh, Immigration Canada and uh, basically would hire all us Post Media <laughs> <laughs> And they used to call it his, uh, his, his little agency because we'd come in on these four and a half month contracts. And then it, literally you'd walk in and you'd see three or four people that used to sit around the news desk with you. But that's the reality of the industry. Uh, guys like you have your finger on the pulse. These podcasts, I don't know how they make money. I don't know if they do. Uh, a lot of people just do it for the uh, for the enjoyment of being involved with it. Um, the The problem right now is how do we monetize this stuff? And you know, as far as newspapers, again, I have I know so many people are who are out of work, uh, looking for work, looking to rebound, looking for something. And uh, it's unfortunate because I think uh, I think the industry of sports 
particularly uh, in respect to this show, as you guys are talking about, uh, I think it's it's suffered because we don't have as many voices or eyes out there covering sports and giving opinions and uh, valid opinions as well. And uh, that's unfortunate. And a lot of the old timers are have moved on. I know Cam Cole is retired. Uh, great writers, you know, guys like Red Fisher. Great storytellers, mm-hmm. right? Great storytellers. Yeah, exactly. Great story. I think we're missing that. Uh, there are some some very decent ones. I think of Don Brennan up here is one of my absolute favorites because Don tells it like he sees it. And uh, it pisses a lot of people off. But I like that. <laughs> you know, there's very few people like that up here in, in Ottawa that, mm. that tell it like it is. Uh, print media people always seem to have the best sources too. They seem to get players on the inside who can, like you mentioned, Sean Avery, who really have the pulse. And so you see a lot of things in print or you used to see a lot of things in print that you wouldn't hear on TV and radio. Yeah. It's a, but again, it's uh, having covered the NHL in varying degrees. It, it's a different beast, certainly than junior hockey. These guys, when they come up through it, particularly now, they're well-versed in how to deal with the media. There's no buddy-buddy stuff. There's no going for beers after after the game. That's that's for damn sure. Um, so, yeah, you got to really pick and choose your sources. A lot of guys rely on the agents because the agents want to get their players' names out there in the National Hockey League. So that'll be their primary source. Mm. As far as players, you know, it's you get the odd, 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 odd one at this point that's uh, that you could really call a source. You grew up in Montreal. It's one of our favorite cities. Do you ever go back? Oh yeah. My dad still lives there. My dad actually just celebrated his 91st uh, birthday. Wow. That's yeah, great. Happy birthday. <clears throat> well, as I tell him, vinegar never sours. So he'll live forever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where's your, f- he's heard it. So I, I won't get in trouble anyway. Where's your awesome. favorite spot in Montreal? Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> Uh, any of the smoked meat places for sure. Yeah, sure. I, you know what? To be honest, I haven't been really back. I, I go down to see Dad, but it'll be a quick overnight visit, uh, stay at his place, and uh, and then pack it up. And it, and I, when I was, you know, when I was when I was your age, Manny, <laughs> I'd be down on Bishop Street, Crescent Street, St. Catherine. Yeah, yeah. You know the the ballets and whatnot. Uh, yeah. it was. It was, you know, it was a great, great place to grow up. That's for sure. We've had a, we've had a lot of fun in that city too. John had his uh, uh, bachelor party in uh, Montreal. Yep. So, yeah, they gave me my choice of cities to pick, and I picked Montreal. So we we had a great time there. The worst part of it though was that we went the second week of January, so we couldn't even enjoy the buzz we were getting indoors because the second you went outside, you got smacked in the face by. <laughs> <laughs> the cold yeah. and a plow and whatever else you could <laughs> and yeah, sobered up, up sobered up right quick. <laughs> I shoveled that snow for years and years. <laughs> What's your favorite city to visit? Oh, in uh, without question, New Orleans, Louisiana. Mm. Oh, good city. Yeah, I've uh, been there uh, six times. Oh, right on. We thought you not, were gonna, not lately. Uh, we thought you were going to say Pittsburgh because of your road trips oh, with yeah, well, Tony Ambrosio you know and Dave Carr. <laughs> yeah, well, Pittsburgh's uh, Pittsburgh gets a bad knock, and it's unfair because it's one of the most beautiful cities I've I've ever seen. Uh, right in the middle of the mountains, the three rivers, as uh, as detailed by the stadium. Meet there; it's a beautiful, beautiful city. Great people. 
great, great sports town. No question. What about any crazy tow truck drivers? <laughs> oh, man, that's that's an inside joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Try your car breaking down on the turnpike. Uh, well, about uh, an hour and a half outside of Pittsburgh. So we had to get towed all the way into Pittsburgh. So we knew you were coming on the show. So Matt and uh, John had to do some research. Do, do They did their homework on you. Yeah. Good. So, do you uh, do you uh, miss climbing snowbanks in North Bay at all? <laughs> oh my God, Fred Wallace. Have you guys had Fred on the show? We're waiting for oh, the his agent. Job? Won't call us back. <laughs> his agent. Uh, yeah. Well, Freddie and I. So we're up there with the platers, and we decide, uh, <clears throat> you know, oh, because we for some reason we we're doing the radio broadcast against the Centennials that night. So we had the night off, and I think there was like an extended funeral announcements on on Seattle West. <laughs> uh, so anyway, we decide we're going to go to the ballet, the one and only in, in North Bay. Uh, take a cab, get out of the cab, and there's a snowbank that's probably 15 feet high, and we're wearing our, you know, because we're media and we're the real deal. <laughs> we're wearing our suits. And, uh, you know, dress shoes and are trying to climb this goddamn snowbank and keep falling all over each other. <laughs> Eventually get in there and uh, the rest is history. And the rest will go on soon. <laughs> and uh, can you tell us about Riley the Raccoon in Ottawa? Oh, my God. That's a classic. <laughs> These are where Fred should be on this show. Yeah, Riley the Raccoon, that was one of our first visits to Ottawa. So that would have been, well, for me, it probably would have been 97, 1997, I want to say. Man, we're getting old. Uh, <laughs> and Freddie and I are doing the Brian. As usual, we're getting plowed by the, dummied by the 67s. They had Brian Campbell, Nick Boynton at the time. Uh, ben Gustafson, just loaded team. And Matt Soltek was on the team. <clears throat> Joe Talbot. Um, so it's like 7-1 in the second, or maybe the first period. Who knows? Game's over, looking like. And we're in the broadcast booth, and we're way the broadcast was way up uh, in the, in the little uh, podium area overlooking the rink. And this raccoon sticks his head around, just as Red's, <laughs> Fred's in the middle of the broadcast, and Fred just he cannot get it. He just starts laughing, and the tears are rolling down his face because of this dummy raccoon. It's the mascot, Riley the raccoon. And I don't know what's funny, but after about Two minutes of Fred losing it. I start to lose it. And we couldn't, we seriously couldn't get it together for probably the rest of the broadcast, which was probably uh, merciful for the people listening. And always <laughs> it was a, a long afternoon for the Bladers. And what about uh, the days with John Lovell on the bus? Oh. <laughs> Manny. <laughs> John Lovell was the uh, head coach of the uh, Platers for a couple of years and had actually a pretty good team for the first half of one season with uh, guys like Andrew Williamson, Larry Pelezhny, and the great Sean Avery. And uh, then they didn't have a very good second half. And uh, I remember some of those road trips. And so we're driving down to, oh, we played in Sault Ste. Marie. And then the next night we have to play in Windsor. So we're driving down through the States. And it's dead quiet on the bus, right? Like, you lose. Uh, no movies, nothing. It's just like sunshine, snow, and beautiful upper Michigan. 
have to look out the window. And then somebody has the idea. I don't know who did it. I have some suspicions. But Fred and I are sitting right behind the coach, John Lovell, who could go off uh, pretty quick. And uh, somebody had a bow and arrow with the little <laughs> plastic arrows and plunked them right in the head. And I, Fred and I looked at each other and went, oh, boy. And John calmly went up, picked the, the arrow out of his head and just looked at it, put in his lap. And that was the end of that. And Fred and I are like white. <laughs> and they'll blame us because it was always the media's fault anyway. of course so but yeah we had some uh some pretty good trips i should mention brian o'leary too who was assistant then head coach one of the great guys uh of junior high great Man, i wrote a column uh, uh about six months ago about the people you meet in junior hockey uh brian was one of them uh certainly you know just great hockey mind and just a better person now he's a he's a city councilor up in Owen Sound, so future must be making the big bucks like Brian Campbell. Might be a future mayor. He could be. He could very well be. But yeah, there's a million stories like that. Lots of laughs. Lots of laughs. Oh man. Uh lots of bad movies too. <laughs> Worst movie you've seen on the bus? Or, be- oh, man. or best movie. Oh, one oh, you'll like this story. So we're leaving Windsor one night. We get dummy. <laughs> <laughs> Seems to be a theme here. Uh, so, you know, it's like uh, it beat up and the whole bit. Half the team had what they call the Windsor flu. They just, DJ Smith's playing. Uh, so they didn't want anything to do with it. So, uh, <clears throat> coach, I got the flu. I can't play. So we're driving back. It was like, I don't know, it's an embarrassing loss. And it's a pretty long drive from Windsor to Owen Sound. So the bus is dead quiet. We're going. Wonder if there's going to be a movie. Because <laughs> there's no beer on the bus. So, what else are you going to do, right? Pick your nails. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, uh, John Lovell, the coach at the time, decides to put on a movie. And uh, appropriately enough, he put on The Exorcist. <laughs> so, here's a bunch of 16, 17, 18 year old kids and the media. Watching the exercise. Of all the movies on the bus. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you see, you see all the Adam Sandlers. You know, Tommy Boy, I've probably seen 15 times. It's, one time I, we, were, we, we had the media's choice and we were going up to North Bay, so I picked Caddyshack. And that got hooting and hollered down because it was too old. Oh, <laughs> man. So, so, oh, yeah. We were doing Michigan, so we're coming down once again to play Windsor, get dummied again. <laughs> and, uh, oh, so we put on uh, Groundhog Day, Bill Murray, the classic. Oh, one good of the best movie. ever. Yeah, and Avery's sitting behind us, kicking us our chairs as usual. He says, oh, this is stupid. It's the same day, day <laughs> after day after day. I look at Fred and go, clever, picked up on that. <laughs> So Caddyshack was too old, but Slapshot was okay. You know what? Here's a true story. I have never seen Slapshot on a junior hockey bus. Get out. No, no, never saw it. I must have missed those trips or something. You would think it'd be right up there. Yeah. No kidding. uh, No, we never saw it. I never saw Slapshot anyway. 
Oh, Dave, this Braveheart, you know, anything with it, it's got it. Something's got to blow up or somebody's going to get shot in the first two minutes. Otherwise, they don't want to work. <laughs> I tried to bring on some Igmar uh, Bergman films. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Swedish classics. No singing in the rain or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. The, the dancing. Yeah. <laughs> No, that didn't really say. Oh, some great stories, Dave. Listen, we appreciate your time. Uh, hey, I want to get your NHL picks. What do you think? Who's going to win the North? I think the Leafs will win the regular season. I think the Jets will win, uh, it, which is too bad. I, I really hope, you know, I, I, I'm not being partisan or anything, but I think Toronto needs a winner. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I Hey, listen, Austin Matthews, that kid could play on my team anytime. He's he's taken his game to another level. Mm-hmm. He's physical now. He's using his size. He's he's a dominant, dominant hockey player. He- uh, top five easily in the league. But I think the Jets just have a little too much size. And uh, they have the goaltending, too. Hellebuck's been uh, outstanding mm-hmm. again this year. And I think they're going to add a defenseman, probably right shot at the, uh, at the deadline or before. And he's going to be good. And I think... Uh, I'm going to take the Jets, but uh, here's hoping the Leafs do something. Do the Jet Jets get to the final then? I, I I think the Jets could win the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Whoa. You know, and here's the audio. I don't know about you guys, but yeah, a lot of people are like this that I talk to or fans. I, I can't recount more than maybe two games that I've watched out of market. In other words, out of the North Division, because I'm just not interested. I mean, if I can watch Edmonton, Calgary one night, Toronto, Montreal the next night, uh, Vancouver, Ottawa the night after that, I'm going to watch those games because not only they're great, it's great hockey, but there's a lot more interest in it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a casual Islanders fan, but I think I've seen them play once this year. Well, I think the North Division games are the first ones that I go to and after the game's over, if there's another one late, like... Uh, yeah, you're not watching a lot of Arizona-Anaheim uh, games there, Dave? No, no. <laughs> Arizona, what are they, why are they still in the league? <laughs> uh, Dave, this is great. Uh, I appreciate the time. Uh, Anytime, guys. Dave Gross, uh, reporter with Ottawa Life, uh, former broadcaster and a very good friend of the podcast. Some great stories from Dave. Uh, Again, we'll be posting all of our content on social media, too. Yeah, absolutely. Podcast FFC is the handle on Twitter and Instagram. For Future Considerations is what you're looking for on Facebook. And for Future Considerations at gmail.com as well. That's right. You can email us with all your feedback, suggestions, and show ideas, and your own hot takes if you uh, agree or disagree with us. And, uh, yeah, definitely get in touch with us. Yeah, if you have any feedback on Dave Gross's interview, please let us know. If you if you have any other guest suggestions, we'd love to hear from you because you never know who will be on the next episode of For Future Considerations. Bye for now. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their M.O. for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard one of the most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career. Probably the worst. It's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. You're still here? It's over. Go home.